So today is the feast day of St. Faustina, and St. Faustina is, as I said earlier, well loved by, by so many of us because of the devotion to the Divine Mercy. <clears throat> now, a couple of uh, introductory comments about Divine Mercy, then we'll talk a little about St. Faustina, and then we'll talk a little about Divine Mercy. Uh, so, obviously, what Jesus reveals to St. Faustina this isn't the first time that we've heard that God was merciful. I mean, God is merciful also in the Old Testament. Look at God's fidelity to the people of Israel, even though they were often very unfaithful to him and fell into idolatry so, so often. <clears throat> God was always faithful. God was always merciful. Uh, obviously, during Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection, right, 2,000 years ago, we see the, the, the extent, the, 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 the exaggerated terms almost, if you will, of God's mercy, that he will do all of this out of love for us. So we've, it's always been kind of, it's always been revealed that God was merciful, but what can happen is that we choose to look at other aspects. So then like, if you, if you imagine, so the divine mercy uh, is revealed to, to Saint Faustina, the, the diary is written in the 1930s. Now, you think of Ireland in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, would people have described God as merciful? Not really. Just judge, absolutely. Uh, God who sees all things and punishes the, the wicked, absolutely. <clears throat> would they have described Jesus as merciful? I don't think it's the first word that would have come to almost anybody's mind. So even though, as I say, from the beginning, the Lord has been merciful, <clears throat> just the way society develops or the way uh, we, the, the aspects of God we choose to look at, we, we kind of lost sight of the mercy of God. Okay, so St. Faustina then, her, her understanding <coughs> of God's divine mercy is absolutely relevant for, for this century and, and for our time. So typically divine, typically divine, the Lord chooses instruments that in the eyes of the world look small or insignificant or, or ineffective, right? God always does this because then when something great is done through that person, it's plain that it was God doing it, you know, like if, if such a, a masterpiece is, is sketched with the stub of a pencil, the pencil can't boast about anything. It's the artist. So it's the, 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 uh, the, the divine mind behind it. So God calls St. Faustina. So at a young age, at the age of about seven, she, she wants to become a sister. She has a desire to become a sister. Born in 1905. So quite a while ago. Well, Within, within uh, I'm not sure grandparents, are there any grandparents from that area? You know, that's, no, that's, no, that's a little. Great-grandparents uh, would have been alive around that time. Uh, but, so she has this, this desire, this feels this calling to become a sister. But as often happens with children, uh, life moves on, they hit their teens, and then their desires change, and, and so on. So uh, she was putting that idea out of her head, really. And one night at a dance, she was dancing away with, with her sister, and the whole scene of everyone dancing, it just froze. And she saw Jesus. She had an apparition of Jesus after the scourging. So he's got horrific wounds, is bleeding profusely, crown of thorns on his head. And he looks at her and says, how long shall I put up with you? How long will you keep putting me off? Now you could imagine how those words would just cut you right to the heart like, 
uh, you see the Lord in his love, you see him in his suffering, you know that he's the one who has called you, and here you are having a good time. You know, you're called to more, you're called to something bigger, better, different. So <clears throat> at that moment, the, the music stopped, and uh, she knew she had to become a sister. So she went off to, to Warsaw, packed her things, and away she went at the age of 19. Now, the, when we read the, the accounts of, of St. Faustina becoming a sister or entering into the, con- the convents or looking to enter into a convent and being refused by the first couple of convents, <clears throat> we do have to keep something in mind. In places where there was poverty, uh, and this is also what it actually would have, would have included Ireland back in, the, in, in around, around that era, it was a practice that at times uh, some of the daughters would enter religious life. <clears throat> Not necessarily because they felt a call to religious life, but because as a sister you had regular meals and you had a roof over your head. And if that included a bit of prayer, we'll survive. Okay, so a lot of people were, tra- were considering religious life not for religious life, but the farm at home wasn't big enough to, 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 to feed everyone. And besides, if the older son is getting the farm, then you can't have three or four aunties around the place. You know what I mean? So off you go and become. So basically, when a poor person would knock on a convent door saying, hello, I'd like to enter, they were generally viewed with skepticism, not because of poverty or wealth, but like, do you have a religious vocation or are you trying to escape poverty? Right? So, this is, so just when we read this, like we shouldn't kind of uh, judge, if you will, all these religious institutions because this, we see ourselves like the consequences of allowing people into religious life who don't have a religious vocation. They end up in there and being bitter, <coughs> unprayerful, <coughs> unmerciful, unloving. It's, it's a disaster, absolute disaster. So, so what... The uh, one particular mother superior then seeing that there was a real a goodness in her, a sincerity in her, <coughs> the congregation of <coughs> the sisters of our, of our Lady of Mercy, they said, "Look, if you work to pay for your habit, uh, we can consider entrance." Right. So she went off then to become become a housekeeper, and uh, paid for her habit. Again, it's, it wasn't about the money. It was, "Are you are you willing to work?" And <clears throat> are you willing to make the sacrifice to enter, or are you, as I say, are you just running from poverty? So she did that, and she entered. Okay, they recognised with in in her that she was a, a a sister of great service, that she loved to serve, and that she was always in in a good mood. She wouldn't have been physically the strongest. Um, it would have been discovered a short time later that she actually had TB, so <clears throat> she wasn't physically very strong. But she always had uh, a, a, serving, a serving attitude towards all of her sisters, and she would have travelled to a, non, a number of convents uh, around Poland and worked in the kitchens there. Now, the kitchens would have been fairly demanding work as well because you're cooking for, whatever, 40, 50 people, big pots of potatoes, big pots of cabbage, big pots of everything. Um, <clears throat> so it would have been physically quite demanding. But everything she did, she did out of great love. She complained once to the Lord, saying, Lord, I... When it comes to one particular job, I, I, my heart recoils from it. That was the job of uh, draining the spuds, right? Simple enough job, but you have to hold onto the lid of the pot and tip the pot with one hand, and then with the other hand, hold onto 
all the spuds, keep the potatoes in, let the water out. Okay, simple enough idea. <coughs> but again, she was weak, so very often she'd tip the pot and then the lid would just slip and out all the potatoes would go into the kitchen, into the sink. And uh, it was just, so she said, Jesus said to her, do all you do out of love for me. Do all you do out of love for me. So the next time then it came to, to the, the moment for draining the potatoes, she went over, she catches the pot, and with great joy just tips it and re- realizes, that, man, this is, this is so light. And then when she puts the pot back down, she opens off the lid and there it is full of roses. Now, it's not that they ate roses for lunch that day, but the Lord was just showing her, all you do out of love for me is transformed. Everything you do out of love for me is transformed. <clears throat> and so she becomes the secretary of divine mercy. So divine mercy overall, just a quick summary of divine mercy. We can, you can summarize divine mercy with the word finch, like the little bird, right? F-I-N-C-H, F-I-N-C-H. If you remember this, you'll be able to summarize what divine mercy means uh, very, very easily. So F, feast of divine mercy. <coughs> so the Lord asked her to have a, a feast of divine mercy established in the church. Now, again, you can imagine <coughs> if the Lord were to ask any of you so, Faye, um, if you were to have a vision there tomorrow morning and the Lord were to tell you, I want a feast in the universal church to be established to whatever it is. Who, who, who do I tell about this? Where, do I just write to the Pope? I mean, what do you do? Like, as a small little person in a, a hidden convent, somewhere, how on earth am I supposed to do anything about that? Like, tell the Pope, surely. He can do it. I can't. So, again, it's typically divine. And he tells St. Faustina, I want a feast established to my mercy. Whoever approaches the fount of life on this day will be granted complete remission of sins and punishment. That's a plenary indulgence. Remission from your sins, that's confession. But the, the, the punishment due to sin, that's, that's a plenary indulgence. This is a big thing, right? This is huge. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I will pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of all sins and punishment. Right? So this is, this is a huge grace, a huge grace. This is, so F, feast of divine mercy. I, the image of divine mercy. So the Lord appeared to her, and I'll quote what she says. In the evening, I was in my cell. And I saw the Lord Jesus clothed in a white garment. We have it here. <clears throat> One hand was raised in a gesture of blessing. The other was touching the garment at the breast. From beneath the garment, slightly drawn aside at the breast, there were emanating two large rays, one red and the other pale. In silence, I kept my gaze fixed on the Lord. My soul was struck with awe, but also with great joy. After a while, Jesus said to me, paint an image according to the pattern you see. With the signature, Jesus, I trust in you. I desire that this image be venerated first in your chapel and then throughout the world. Okay, so this image it becomes a, a, a source of grace which we approach with the vessel of trust. So the more trust we have, the more grace we can draw from, from God. See, this is the Lord trying to find every way possible of communicating grace to us. He wants to make it as easy as possible. You know, so we have the sacraments, obviously, <clears throat> but then he can also grant graces through an image like this. If he so wills, that's, that, that's his prerogative. Grace belongs to him. 
So if he wishes to give grace through an image, he can. Absolutely. So, so Finch, F.I. Feast of Divine Mercy, <clears throat> the Sunday after Easter Sunday, and uh, then I, the image of Divine Mercy. N, the Novena. Okay, so the Novena of Divine Mercy. Uh, the Lord says the following. The Lord told me to say this chaplet for nine days before the Feast of Divine Mercy. It's to begin on Good Friday. By this Novena, I will grant every possible grace to souls. Okay, see, like just the absolute mercy of God, trying to find every way possible to uh, such cram as much grace as possible into us. You know, trying to make it as easy as possible for us to approach him. Okay, <clears throat> so Feast of Divine Mercy. Image of Divine Mercy, Novena, if I see the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. So, Chaplet of Divine Mercy, I can imagine many of you are, are familiar with. Um, again, a, a prayer tailor made for our times. Why? Because it's short. Because modern people have the attention span of a goldfish. So, uh, the Lord then gives us this, this chaplet, which is, I remember when we were kids, if we ever had the choice between the rosary or the chaplet, oh, we pray the chaplet. Because it was half as long, you know what I mean? So, but it's, it's still, that, that's obviously not why it's wonderful. It's wonderful because it's, <clears throat> it's like the Holy Mass, the essence of the Mass is what? The essence of the Mass is the sacrifice of Jesus the Son to God the Father. For what? For our good and the good of the whole church. So in the chaplet, what do we pray? It's the chaplet is aimed at God the Father. So eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Okay, and to what end? In atonement, for my sins, and for the sins of the whole world. <clears throat> so it's like the essence of the Mass in, in a prayer, which all of us can pray. So this is why it's so powerful, right? We're remembering Jesus the Son being offered to God the Father and asking him then for mercy for me and for the whole world. So this is why the, 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 the chaplet is just so beautiful and so powerful. There are, there are accounts in her diary <clears throat> of praying the chaplet at the bedside of a dying person and how the demons present at the, in the room of the dying person, how they fled at the, the prayer of the Divine Mercy. Oh, what great graces I will grant to souls who say this chaplet. The very depths of my tender mercy are stirred for the sake of those who say the chaplet. Okay. So, <clears throat> say unceasingly the chaplet I taught you. Whoever will recite it will receive great mercy at the hour of death. Priests will recommend it to sinners as their last hope of salvation. Even if there were a sinner most hardened, if he were to recite the chaplet only once, he would receive grace from my infinite mercy. I desire that the whole world know my infinite mercy. I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls who trust in my mercy. You see this? Just see how almost exaggerated it is. He's the Lord trying to find every way to communicate his mercy to us. I love you so much. I'm so merciful towards you. All you have to do is pray this prayer once. All you have to do is raise your eyes trustingly to me in this image. All you have to do even is come to Mass. All you have to do is receive confession. These things are not big considering what we get. You know, considering the graces available to us. Phenomenal. So, F-I-N-C-H. <clears throat> Feast. I. 
Image N, Novena C, Chaplet H, Our, Our Divine Mercy. At three o'clock, implore my mercy, especially for sinners. And if only for a brief moment, immerse yourself in my passion, particularly in my abandonment at the moment of agony. This is the hour of great mercy for the whole world. I will allow you to enter into my mortal sorrow. In this hour, I will refuse nothing to the soul that makes a request of me in virtue of my passion. Again, like just incredible graces available to us. And all of this revealed to St. Faustina. This young nun, <clears throat> weakened by TB, who then in her cell started to decay from the inside out. Her lungs started to rot. You know, the, the, the TB was eating her away from the inside, so much so that she knew that she smelled really bad because, as I say, she was just rotting alive. And when sisters would come into the cell to give her food that covered their mouths or whatever, you know, she felt horrible. Uh, not to mention the pain, the weakness <clears throat> of it all, the, the loneliness and abandonment of it all. And she died at the age of 33. So she died quite young and wrote her diary in obedience to her spiritual director, Father Sapochko. So this then became the catalyst for all of the Divine Mercy devotion that we know today. <clears throat> her fidelity to the Lord, her obedience to her spiritual director, and then her spiritual director's uh, drive and zeal afterwards, Father Michael Sapochko, in promoting the Divine Mercy. And then a certain cardinal, well, a certain archbishop, Wojtyła, in Poland, came to know of this devotion. And then he became Pope, John Paul II. And then in the year 2000, he canonized her. So St. Faustina was canonized by uh, St. John Paul II <coughs> in the year 2000. So all of this, what does it show? All of this reveals to us God's mercy, God's love for us and God's desire that we would be with him for all eternity. St. Faustina, the Secretary of Divine Mercy, aims to reveal the merciful heart of Jesus. These rays emanating from his heart, the red ray which gives us life, the Eucharist, the pale ray which washes us clean, confession, baptism. Again, just getting back to the basics of our faith. So we pray that through the prayers of St. Faustina today, all might come to know the merciful heart of Jesus our Saviour. Amen.